Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ignite Radio Live. <laughs> so excited to have you here with us and. Uh, <laughs> Our studio is very alive here, very excited here on the eve before going into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights for a season of fasting. So we're excited about that. Because you can't giggle during Lent. Did ever tell you that? What? Get it out? Get the giggles out before you. Get the wiggles out. Possibly. Well, we're excited to have you guys with us. Our theme tonight, if you haven't caught it by the intro song, we're about building the kingdom. Wiggles and giggles. <laughs> You're a poet and didn't know it. It's going to be tough staying on course here tonight, and that's all good. Oh, look at Walt. That's awesome. You just noticed. Blessed to have Walt and Liz Erickson with us tonight, talking about building the kingdom. And I want to set the stage with a story that some of you may have heard, but I think it's an important story. So it was a couple weeks ago. And uh, um, after Mass, and a gentleman came up to me, and he was very enthusiastic, inviting me to participate in this awesome program called That Man Is You. And I kept to myself that I uh, know Steve quite well, Steve Bowman, the founder of That Man Is You, and have been blessed to be out there and uh, help do some work with him, if you will. And I was enthused at this guy who's evangelizing, really. It's easy evangelization. So let's just start right there. How many wonderful programs and how simple it is to simply invite those to participate. All good. Anyways, he proceeded to tell me that he's been doing this for over two years on a weekly basis, a program to become a man of God. And uh, so I'm listening to him, and I asked him the question. I said, that's awesome, Steve. That's wonderful. Thank you for asking me, inviting me. I told him, I, you know, I know, Steve, I think it's a great program, but let me ask you a question. When's the last time you spent an hour talking and praying in your home? You know, you've been meeting every week for a couple hours with these guys. When's the last time you devoted even an hour to talking and praying in your home with your wife and your children? And he was taken aback, and he kind of uh, could see he was reflecting, and he said, it never occurred to me. And so, not just a sig- uh, if you will, uh, signal out or whatever the term is, take this guy out. There are many like us who have made Crisio chirp, axe, ignite. And for those moments, we're all attuned to God. But we may forget that the lighting of the match that those events are to uh, open our hearts and minds to Christ is meant to start a fire. And it's meant to start a fire first and foremost in our homes, with our wives, and with our children. And that is a challenge. Let's just right out of the gates acknowledge the challenge that it is for all of us tonight to build the kingdom beginning in our marriages and in our families and in our homes. It's easy outside our homes. But can we do it in our homes? Because, brothers and sisters, that's where it begins. That's the kindling. That's those logs brought together that Jesus had his uh, community of disciples, the Twelve. He devoted his time the majority of his time, to the disciples, to the twelve. And we need to do the same in our marriages and families. Or those sparks, the match lighting out there, it truly will become, if you will, ig fizzle. So we're going to begin tonight in a prayer. I invite you to join me right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for being with us in this very moment. 
on the eve of uh, a great adventure that you invite us to enter into, to be emptied, God, not just for the sake of being emptied, Lord, but on the other side as Jesus came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you call us to have our eyes and hearts fixed similarly on the purpose of Lent, to be emptied, that we can be filled with your grace so much that it overflows. We desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord. We desire to be more than just people who, who light matches once in a while, who are just, if you will, spiritually entertained. You want to engage us, God, all in, heart, mind, body, and soul. And even though we imperfectly do that on this side, in this moment, in this night, we give you permission. We give you permission to have, we give you authority, Lord, over our hearts and our minds and our affections. Lead us and guide us together to build your kingdom. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So these, a lot of great movies begin with the end in mind, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about beginning with the end in mind, and it's a good thing to do. You know, to know where are we going? What is our focal point? What is the focal point, as we said, with Lent? It's to fix on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the end in mind with this wonderful couple here, Walt and Liz Erickson, four beautiful, actually five beautiful children, four, one on the way, and uh, they're all raising heck at the Schleter home right now, and we just told them to call in the radio program if they have any questions. You may be entertained tonight. I need to add and acknowledge beautiful little Mary who looks down from above. Thank mm, you. Thank mm, you. Absolutely. So the end in mind, was Walt is a, a dynamic man. He's who's in it to win it. He was an in it to win it. You'll hear athlete in it to win it in business. And uh, he received the greatest commendation, if you will, of his life months ago, a year ago, when his wife said to him, "You are now the spiritual leader of this household." And he he proudly proclaims that as is the most significant, if you will, achievement of his life. So that's the end, if you will, of where they're at now. And obviously not arrived, still journeying in that, but what a wonderful thing. So we're delighted to have you with us. And maybe, Liz, just as we're driving over here and praying, you know, let's just, we're going to go back and, and hear their stories. We're going to hear how God moved in their lives and drew them into his heart. Uh, before we do that, though, Liz, you got to share with us a little bit of your story from today. Oh, yeah, today. <laughs> so Tuesdays, I take the kids to adoration. And like you said, I have four little ones, uh, one-year-old, two-year-old, six-year-old, and seven-year-old. And so I'm sitting in the pew, and I'm thinking to myself, why do I do this? <laughs> is this really worth it? Allie is seven, and she's saying, my knee itches so bad. I can't handle it. What am I going to do? And Eve, the two-year-old, is saying, Mommy, I want some Cheerios. And I look down, and there's Cheerios scattered everywhere. <laughs> and there's those little, you know, surveys at the end of the pews for different things. And there's surveys all over, and there's pencils thrown behind us. And Zeke's pulling on my hair and looking at me going, Dada? <laughs> and I'm trying to focus and pray. And I'm saying, please, just give me a minute. And thinking to myself, is this worth it? But I know that it is, and I know that, you know, so many times those wonderful little old ladies in the back afterwards will come up to me and they'll say, that's so beautiful. And I'm looking at them like, did you see what I just saw? Because <laughs> I don't think that was beautiful. But um, it beautiful. but it is encouraging, and uh, I, I do recommend taking your children to adoration. It That's is awesome. I mean, you can't tell me that the Lord doesn't just look down and smile, <laughs> or you <laugh>. know, <laughs> and laugh and everything else. But what a witness, because it's not easy. And yet the grace and that perseverance and the grace in your presence there and the lesson 
the eternal lesson that you're giving your children mm-hmm. and not to mention the graces just from being together in his presence <laughs> when you don't feel it mm. at all. <laughs> nice say, Negative. Say goodbye to Jesus. We love you. Bye bye. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> well, as that passage says, suffer the children and let them come to me. And sometimes it's suffer the parents and let the children come to me. But uh, how beautiful. And you know, that's the thing about presence is it's not necessarily they're seeing a dynamic Jesus up there whatever, singing a song or doing something entertaining. It's the the body of Christ, if you will, and just being in his presence has an impact on their lives, and that's pretty awesome. So we want to invite you guys just to, we're grateful to have you with us, and just to kind of take us back to the very beginning, if you will. Set the stage for us. It's a very good place to start. (laughs) Set the stage for us, and I'm going to offer ladies first if you want to defer. I'm going to let Walt start. Okay. (laughs) Tell us the story. Take us to the beginning. The very beginning. I'll, I'll fix it when it needs to. Okay. <laughs> Whether she was there or I'm not. Married. Yeah. Yeah. What a good wife. <laughs> she is. So I was born in Bedford, Michigan, and born to absolutely phenomenal parents. Parents that loved us immensely, uh, put our needs before them, and I will be eternally grateful. I grew up in a home where our morals were very, very deep, uh, very, very focused. Uh, We were a family that worked together as a unit very, very hard all the time. We had a deep, deep work ethic. Uh, Work ethic, I would say, would be possibly the top moral in our family. I'm very proud of that work ethic, very proud of that moral. Grew up in a very conservative home. Uh, I was probably the only person, I was the only person, still am, the only person that I know of that got up in sixth grade and watched Rush Limbaugh. Uh, before school. At, before school. Did yeah. you hear bells ring and was there a little incense around yeah. the little altar? Um, not the greatest person Rush Limbaugh is, but I certainly liked uh, some of the things he had to say. Um, we were not a church-going family. Um, however, God was not a, was not a bad name in our, in our home at all. Um, my sister and I both had a prayer life. And... My mom and dad were just um, immensely loving. And, you know, in this year of mercy, we t- you know, it's the focus of, you know, God is love, God is merciful. And my, my parents were excellent examples of love and mercy in my life. Uh, moving forward, I, I went through, to Bedford through eighth grade, um, decided personally that I needed a change, and ended up going to Central Catholic for high school. Let me pause you a second. You knew you needed to change. Tell us a little about that. What way did you need to change? Mm. He was a troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's filling the details. I didn't know my wife when I was in eighth grade, but somehow. <laughs> she was omniscient. Somehow, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was a troublemaker, but not... Uh, I wasn't getting in fights no, and so no. forth. Just, you just um, felt like a change was in yes, order. Yes, I really felt mm-hmm. that something something better for me mm-hmm. uh, had to take place. And I ended up at Central Catholic. Um, definitely a, a better atmosphere. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good people there, but I went in not coming from a parish. I didn't know anyone. Uh, my parents were very surprised that I made the choice because I literally knew no one. So it was a little bit rough at first, not, you know, not knowing anybody, but in time, you know, you make friends. And um, um, probably my first real experiences of 
basic Catholic actions. You know, they would hold mass irregularly, um, and and I you know I obviously got a flavor with with uh, you know all of our um, rote prayers and so forth that they you know spoke every day in the halls and and um, I wouldn't say I was intrigued though or or you know set on fire interested. Um, my heart just wasn't in faith. I didn't think anything of it really. Good, bad, or indifferent. I didn't think anything of it. I went to college, went to Ball State University uh, my freshman year. I met my beautiful wife, Liz. We dated all through college. Um, Liz came from a very strong Catholic family. And the biggest influence I had in changing my view on religion was meeting my wife's father, my my future Mm -hmm. father-in-law. And he was the first man, uh, which is sad to say, but the first man I had ever met that truly lived his faith and was truly different than everyone else. And um, So that's from even being at Central Catholic mm-hmm. and surrounded by a lot of classmates. So, you know, and I know you well enough to know that you're very measured in your words. So to say that you were in a sea of Catholic kids with parents, that uh, her dad was the first one that you could say he's living what he professes. Yes. Wow. Yes. You know, going back to going back to Central Catholic, I mean, you know, it's amazing when you held Mass, right? Every one of these kids knew exactly what to do in Mass. They knew everything you were supposed to do, all the actions. Um, as soon as you got out of Mass, these kids are no different than anywhere else you would go. They knew other actions. Yes, and neither, and neither was I. And, and in, all, in all fairness, mm. I don't know every one of these kids. Mm. So there, there may have been a number of... Sure. Kids, you know, that had a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and a very devout prayer life and, and home life, that, and I just didn't know those kids. Um, many of the kids that I did know were no different than anywhere else, uh, you know, that you, would, that you would go. So after, I, after, I, after we got married, after um, I asked Liz to marry me, we got married. Can I pause you a yeah, second? Yeah, because yeah. that's a, an awesome movement in your life. Can we back up a little bit and capture Liz? We'll do kind of like uh, Pac-Man. You know, they meet later on. So it <laughs> started with you. And uh, Liz, tell us a little bit about your background up to that point. Okay, so I'm a cradle Catholic. I'm the youngest of four. Um, I went to a Catholic grade school, kindergarten through eighth grade. And um, I w- he says we were a strong Catholic family. And I think we were, but, w- I mean, we did all the motions. I know my dad had a lot of faith, and I, I, I know now my mom did too, but they didn't really vocalize their relationship with Jesus with me, or I, maybe they did with my siblings, I don't know. I know that they would, we would pray before meals, we would go to church on Sundays, I mean, never miss church, never. I mean, we're going on vacation, going somewhere, that's the first question dad asks. We can't go unless there's a church nearby, and where are we going? And he's like that to this day, which mm. I admire, um, and I'm like that now too. Um, but it took me a while to get there. Um, so they didn't really share that relationship with me. So I can't say that I really, it took me a while to find that on my own. Hmm. So I went to a public high school and, um, in high school, I didn't go to youth group or anything like that. So my faith kind of like wavered. I would still go through the motions with my family. Um, but like I said, I didn't have that personal relationship. And then I went off to college, 
And then that relationship got even worse. Um, pretty much stopped going to church. I mean, minimum a couple times. Can I back you up a second? Yeah. So interesting that Walt wakes up in the religion of Rush Limbaugh, and uh, you're born into a family that uh, is faithful mass-goers. Yes. He's attuned to something that he can't really explain that draws him to go to this odd place called a Catholic school and uh, encounters a culture and some positive things there, but certainly is reflecting on the fact that a lot of these kids— you know, really, you know, maybe he doesn't know them all, but a lot of them were going through the motions, for sure, those that he knew. And now your life, you come from that background, you go to a public school. What would you say was the nature, if at all, of your relationship with Christ? Did you um, did you pray at all, personally, from the heart? And how oh. could describe that as much as you can. Well, I mean, I said, I, I prayed every evening. I did rope prayers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would pray for people if someone said, oh, they're sick or dying or whatever. But there was never like that, oh, Jesus, please help me get through this or or thank you. There wasn't that that relationship. Like, he's my best friend. It it just didn't, ha- it didn't happen mm-hmm. until later in life. And um, it, it's sad when I see Walt saying that my dad was that person for him because... I love my dad and he is an awesome guy, Mm -hmm. but I don't, he didn't share that with me earlier on. Um, And of course parents grow over time and right. But like now, Oh my goodness, my father and Uh I, we have awesome conversation and it's so open and it's just alive and awesome. So, but, but I, but I can't say I wish it was any different because I have grown and changed mm-hmm. a lot and I am so thankful for where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hit college and um, you're, you're sharing with us that, that um, maybe some decisions were being made that uh, were not reflecting, let's, should we say, a spiritual life or Catholic life. Um, so let's just maybe use the metaphor of a compass. You grew up with a compass. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew what was right and wrong. Were you aware when these decisions you were making, were you aware that they were off the compass? Was there a sense of remorse or oh, guilt? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's that Catholic guilt, you know, that you hear mm-hmm. about. And that's a bad, I mean, it's, it's a bad term because mm-hmm. now, like, I it's not a guilt. It's like, I want to do good because I want to be with Jesus in heaven forever. It's just a different way of thinking. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that relationship that I just was lacking. Mm. In the midst of it, um, was it a sense of, uh, you know, I don't want to be doing or be on this path? Or or, did, or was there something in there where you kind of just, it's unrealistic, all my friends are on this path, what's the big deal? Uh, um, I, that's a hard question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I definitely knew something was missing, and I definitely knew I would come back to it someday. Mm, okay. I guess I was just trying to be my own person, or or lazy was is probably mm, more... Mm probably more lazy than anything because you know it takes effort it takes effort to get up and to go to church and to right. and to take that time mm-hmm, to pray mm-hmm. and i wanted i was selfish and wanted to do my own thing and i figured this was my chance to do it right because right. you're away <laughs> at college and right. this is like the greatest thing in the world but Look, it, it's really not <laughs> looking back at what i missed and what i didn't know um I can fill in, I think, for Liz and so many others that probably, you know, I went to school with and all those that have gone through Catholic school. She didn't come out of grade school or high school with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That depth was not there. It was not taught to her. It was not shown to her. She had no example. And she didn't know what it meant. 
and how many people stay in touch with someone from a long-distance relationship, for example, you move away to college, you're going to stay in touch with your parents. Why? Because you love them to the ends of the earth. You're going to stay in touch with that really, really close friend because you love them. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, he's as easy to leave as some random acquaintance that you meet. And I, I think I can say this for my wife, and I can say this for most, that there's no way you can leave Jesus and fall into those deep traps of sin if you actually did really know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every, one of us, every one of us is going to sin, whether we know Jesus or mm-hmm. not. But I think there's a difference between rocking the boat and falling off the boat. Mm. And so many of those, I think, that fall off the boat, I, I just don't think they ever built that, that close relationship with Jesus, which my wife and I now are building. Mm. And we have, and we rock the boat sometimes. <laughs> um, There's a song. Yeah. Or don't rock the boat. Um, well, you know what I'm thinking of is as you're speaking, this past Saturday we have uh, had what was called a monthly Catholic family gathering. It's been going in our home monthly, the first Saturday of the month. And uh, it's wonderful. It's you know, anywhere from 40 to 70 people at times gather on a Saturday uh, evening, and we pray evening prayer, we have supper, we talk about the gospel, we break up into men's groups, women's, high school, grade school, each led by peers. And um, then we, you know, come back, pray the rosary, and it's afterglow. It goes into the late hours of the night and sometimes early hours of the morning. It's just great fellowship. Anyways, this past Sunday, the men, a few of them talked about with, with heavy hearts their older children exactly at this point in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, they these parents tried to provide that environment, tried to speak with them about the faith, and they have very heavy hearts that their children at the ages, it seems, late teens, early 20s, are experiencing this. And um, there was something that bonded us, I think, all the more together as men, uh, and I've spoken with a couple of the men since then, a real emergence of us supporting and encouraging each other and even being an encouragement to each other's kids, which is what good community is. Um, my point is, resonating with what you're saying, I would, I would bet that a lot of these men, and even that night, sort of would, would resonate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think they'd resonate with the fact that they, maybe even to your dad, um, Liz, they desired... Uh, to find a way to make Jesus known, to mm-hmm. that have that relational quality. There was that yearning desire. But as Catholics, we really weren't taught that or forged that. We were given the Mass. We were given great right. activities. Now, in la- recent years, you have Crisio, Chirp. Some of these things have opened up this door. And the theme of even tonight is, is are we living it in our homes? But let's just acknowledge that the emergence of a vital lived relational encounter with Jesus that's real, not just cliche, but alive in everything we do in our homes is a very recent thing for Catholics. And you guys are here tonight because in a matter of the years, certainly, but in the last year and a half, two years, you've really impressed us uh, as, as real leaders. And even that Saturday, tell me we didn't experience that from the men who spoke, that yeah. very recently mm-hmm. these guys are mm-hmm. emerging as giving testimonial to what Christ can do. So just a little bit of a side uh, perspective with this. So you guys met in college, and you know, just maybe you know, give us a sketch of what led you to marriage and where you're at spiritually in marriage and bring us up to date. Well, he says he knew he wanted to marry me after like a month. And I'm like, no, I don't think so, dude. (laughs) Um, But yeah, marriage. Unfortunately, we didn't get married for five years, um, but we dated all that time. We were engaged for, what, two and a half or three years, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but complete trust right away. Um, just, you know, Walt gives 110% when he makes a decision on something and, uh, praise the Lord. I was, <laughs> I was that decision. <laughs> uh, what a beautiful way to put it. So Truly decision love that is a decision. What an awesome testimonial for men out there and women, you know, he decided for you and you're saying, praise God for that decision. Yeah. Beautiful. She's just trying to get a back rub tonight. <laughs> Hopefully, <Two>. right? <laughs> two. Um, I don't know. You you can go from here. I'm kind of stumped. <laughs> well, what was it? You you got uh, you got me. So we're talking college into we're talking about college. Uh, kinda, up to the point of marriage and beyond. <laughs> right. So spiritually is the main uh, you know kind of consideration. How does your spirituality grow? from, um, you know, coming to encounter Christ. I mean, I suspect that wasn't, you know, even in your dating days necessarily a pronounced thing. Let let me just move us maybe to the point of marriage. What was your understanding of relationship with Christ when you got married? Okay, so I can take this, I guess. So (laughs) She took um, it back. When he, when we were talking about marriage, one of the things, my stipulation was, I'm not going to marry you unless you want to get married in a Catholic church and you're going to raise our children Catholic. Which is kind of ironic because I wasn't really living the faith at the time. But I knew it was important and I knew that I wanted this for our children. Mm. So he was, you know, since he didn't really practice anything, he's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And um, so we had to go through our marriage prep and all that, <laughs> which was interesting. Yep. And uh, why was it interesting? Just a quick word on that. I'll you like, want me to share? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so put your secular cap on here for a minute and. Uh, can imagine where I'm at in my in my college life, and the second I think the second couple that spoke at is it pre Cana? It was our NFP classes. Yeah, well, it's the NFP classes in pre Cana, and this guy says, "Yeah, so my wife could you know could could learn her body. We abstained for a year." <laughs> and I said, "What?" <laughs> in marriage, right? Yes, in marriage, in marriage. Um, yeah, if it wasn't marriage, it'd be, you know, a different, that's like, a different Uber Lent. that's like just like a yeah. wrong version of Lent. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what we're signing up for, but I am not interested. You know, um, I commend him now, you know, because my faith is at a point where I understand, um, I still feel that he should have put more faith in Jesus. That's a real, real and test. to say that to uh, engaged couples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a yeah, really it was bad thing. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. So. So anyways, we ended up getting married in a Catholic church. And, um, of course, all I ever wanted to be in life was a mom. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to get pregnant and we're going to have kids and I'm going to be a mom and life is going to be all peachy. Well, I didn't get pregnant and I didn't get pregnant and I didn't get pregnant. And now it's going on four years. And uh, so at this time, my spirituality life was kind of up and down at times i was kind of starting to feel the call to like start a bible study you're starting to go to church a little bit more regularly um and then uh we we did finally get pregnant with Allie, and we went to baptism classes for her and that's a really turning point in my life Mm. because we're in that classroom and they're talking about you're gonna raise your child Catholic, you're making this commitment to God. And I thought about that. I'm like, wow, 
I, I better do this or I'm not going to make it to heaven and neither is she. And this is why I'm mm. here. Mm. And so like integrity, that's yeah. impressive. So like right? from that point on, I was like, I never missed mass since then. And I have been on the, the no to go to Bible studies and learn as much as I can. But I've still had moments of a, a law in my faith where I'm kind of going through the motions because I don't really have that relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, then baby number two comes. Can I pause you a second? <laughs> yeah. Obviously you're in a marriage and you're describing about <clears throat> your emerging spirituality and uh, <clears throat> the impetus being your oldest daughter and wanting to be um, fulfill that call to form her for eternal life. Walt, where were you at? Um, I, I thought it was the right thing to do to go to church. I said I believed in God, but I didn't understand anything beyond that. The one thing, though, that I can say that I had just an immediate belief in was that the Eucharist was truly the body of Christ. Mm. And it actually astounded me when I found out the statistics, even among regularly attending Catholics, of how many don't believe that it's the body of Christ, or, or you know, in the Protestant world, um, obviously they do not believe. And I was not able to receive the body of Christ. Uh, obviously, I wasn't Catholic. I was just going to church with my wife. But I was intrigued by, by the Eucharist. And for some reason, call it the Holy Spirit, I really did believe immediately without any explanation that that was the body of Christ. Cool. Um, but I, you know, I, again, there is, I would say there was no growth, not necessarily any depth. Um, it wasn't until further along when we were actually pregnant with Mary. So mm-hmm. my, my real connection uh, or, you know, growth into the depth of the Catholic Church and our faith was when we were pregnant with Mary, our third child, I'm going to pause you on that note because it's a very moving story. We're going to take a quick break and come back to it and hold you all in suspense. We're very blessed to have Walt and Liz Erickson with us tonight on Ignite Radio Live over the four mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. We're talking about building the kingdom. And hopefully tonight you're not just hearing us talking about the faith, if you will, but you're getting a good example of, of a beautiful couple that's actually sharing very transparently and honestly their journey of the love relationship with God in heaven. We're very blessed to have you with us tonight, and uh, stay tuned. We're going to be right back on the other side. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. Are you spiritually engaged or just engaged or just spiritually entertained. Recently after Mass, a man approached me, enthusiastically inviting me to participate in a wonderful program called That Man Is You. I affirmed his involvement in this great program had to inquire. So you spend a couple hours every Sunday to become a better man of God? You've been doing this for over two years? That's really great. If you don't mind me asking, when is the last time you spent a dedicated hour talking and praying in your home with your family? Taken aback, he paused a moment and replied sincerely, it never occurred to me. When is the last time you devoted an hour to talking and praying with your family in your home? Discover the power of the Holy Spirit alive in your home. Go right now and download the free Live It Gathering Guide at liveitchallenge.eventbrite.com. This has been a Mass Impact Kingdom Builders Moment. Find out more at massimpact.us. We pray. 
Did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy? Did you watch the Packer game? How's your portfolio? Pizza is awesome. What we talk about doesn't just reveal what's important to us. It reveals who's important to us. This week, take a risk to grow deeper. Consider throwing in one of these. What's your biggest challenge right now? Hey, what can I pray for you for? What can I do to make your life easier right now? How about joining us for Mass this Sunday? Yeah, and coming over for breakfast. Let's pray the Holy Communion we receive correspond to a holy community we live. This has been a Mass Impact Moment. Join the great adventure at massimpact.us. Games are something you play with a board, not with a soul. Let's not sugarcoat this. Satan is getting many to join him through a door called pornography. That door is everywhere a device is. The consequences are devastating. They don't sidestep those who go to Mass. In fact, most practicing Catholic men report falling regularly. Many are addicted. Please listen. Knowing all this is not enough. If you or those you love don't have filtering on your computers or devices, you're playing games with souls. You're leaving the door wide open. Please join us now in shutting that door. Go right now to massimpact.us. Click on Covenant Eyes. That's MassImpact.us, Covenant Eyes. It's a very small price to pay for eternity. When you pray about how God might want you to be a steward with your tithe to make a big difference, please consider the work of Mass Impact, a dynamic Catholic new evangelization movement at the very heart of our church, making a difference in literally thousands of lives. Partner with us now in what recent popes have called the church's most important mission. Go to massimpact.us and click on the Contribute tab. Thank you and God bless. Welcome back to Ignite Radio Live right here on Annunciation Radio. We are so blessed to have you with us. And in our studio, we have the Walt and Liz Erickson. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. They get the article. They do a woo. The. The. That's right. Um, parishioners at Holy Trinity Church, very blessed community out there. Father Dan Duran is their pastor. Father Dan. Durand. That's what I thought his name was for a long time oh. when I heard all about him. And when he introduced himself to There's me as Mike. Father Mike, I'm like, your name's not Father Mike, it's Father Dan. <laughs> anyway, um, so we are, again, just very blessed to be listening to your story as you've been sharing. And uh, to recap a bit to the point that we're at, so you guys are married now. You have beautiful little alley baptism class, which really... Uh, the Lord used to awaken that that desire of integrity for relationship and uh, a claiming of the Catholic faith to yes. live it out. Walt is not Catholic yet at this point, and you guys are pregnant. Um, baby number three. Baby number three. One and two are sixteen months apart, and I think I think Izzy was eight months old when I got pregnant with Mary. So again, they were going to be really close together. So we're living in this little house, two-bedroom house, and Allie and Izzy already didn't share a room very well because one liked the dark and the other one was scared of the dark. So we had one sleeping in a pack-and-play in the kitchen. So I think at this point, Walt said, um, I think it's time to move. And I'm like, okay. 
let's do that while I'm pregnant. That's a great idea. <laughs> so we sell our house like right away, which is a blessing. Um, but then we move to the lake um, because we don't have anywhere to live while we're looking for this house. Walt's still kind of, most of the time he's with us at the lake, but sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's at a friend's house because his work is closer there. So during the week, sometimes he wasn't there. So Allie and Izzy and I, pregnant, I'm pregnant, 26, seven weeks at that point, mm. um, living at the lake. And the lake has been for sale on and off. And of course, it sells <laughs> while of we're course, living there. Right. So um, we had found a house, but closing wasn't front of the week. So again, Allie and Izzy and I moved to Fort Wayne um, to my parents' house. And my sister was living at my parents' house, too, so this, this was quite an adventure. Three families right. in a three-bedroom house. And um, so we moved there on Saturday. And Tuesday night, I get all the kids bathed, my kids and, and my sister's kids, get, every, get everyone in bed, and I lay down, and it's 11 o'clock at night. And I can't remember the last time I felt the baby move. Mm. And... uh I knew instantly. Mm. I just felt empty. Um, I prayed immediately. You know, I started praying the Hail Mary. And I went to my mom and dad's room and knocked on the door. I'm like, Mom, you got to take me to the hospital. She goes, oh, no, no, you're fine. The baby's just sleeping. I'm like, no, Mom, for real. And so, you know, I'm in the car, and it just doesn't feel real. Mm. And we're driving there. And she's just talking like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And, and I just knew. So we get to the hospital, and um, the doctor on call happened to be in-house. At this point, it's a little after midnight. And the doctor on call that was in-house was my OBGYN mm-hmm. when I lived in Fort Wayne. And um, he walks in there, and sure enough, there's no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just, I can't describe the feeling of shock, and it was just awful. Right. My mom calls Walt. He doesn't answer the phone. <laughs> I was sleeping. <laughs> so he um, calls uh, his friend that he's staying at and tells him, hey, your, your baby just died. You need, mm. you need to go. And uh, I'm terrified at that point because he's got to drive two hours, and I like, oh. Dear Lord, just keep him safe, you know, right. keep him safe right. while he gets here. And I'm just in complete shock. Mm. So when he gets to the hospital, I look at him and I said, we're going to be stronger for this. Mm. We will make this. We will get through. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, definitely. And at that point, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I said, if it's a girl, we don't have a name. Oh. He says, yes, we do. Mary. And uh, so I, I've, ha- I've had C-section, so I, in the past, so I, we went in for surgery, and it was awful. Mm. You know, deliver a baby, and your baby's supposed to be crying when it comes out. Mm. And this baby wasn't, and she was blue and cold. She wasn't cold yet. But, um... So, and she, but she was a beautiful, beautiful baby girl. Three pounds, two ounces, gorgeous, mm. just like the other two that we've had. And uh, well, well, gets to hold her right away. Mm. And I got to hold her too, and it was so hard, 
hard. Mm. Yeah. Praise the Lord. My brother-in-law, he's lost a baby also. And he came in and he came in and he's like, oh, she's beautiful. And just went and hugged mm. her and gave her a kiss. Aww. And it was like that. I needed that. I right. needed someone to show me that it's okay, okay to hold and to love and hug my baby who is not alive. Mm. Right. Um, and that has just been a huge turning point mm. in our faith. Um, it was very, very hard. I, I can say I would have, I don't know if I would have got through without my faith. Mm. Beautiful. Fast forward us if you could up to present day the last few years we of course met you maybe two years ago as part of the core mission team at um holy trinity parish uh but you you were uh later on beginning to really invest yourselves in bible studies Mm -hmm. and gatherings of people so tell us about that and sketch that out for us up to kind of present day uh, where you were proclaimed the spiritual leader feel, most of the time. And feel free, Walt, to jump from... i got to say one thing real quick. So Mary died August 10th. Walt started RCIA classes in September. That's what I was going to ask yeah. him about, right? So, to use that as the springboard so that to what was that like, was used wow. for. He, he talked about it for years, and mm-hmm. he just... That was finally... It takes time. It's a commitment. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was a busy guy. He's like, I don't know how... Right. Mary full of grace, Mary leading us to Jesus. Yes, amen. I was halfway through our uh, chirp. I was going through chirp at St. Joe's, Sylvania, the great group of guys at the time. I was about halfway through. And when I got the call, um, obviously, you know, you wake up at one in the morning from a dead sleep with a buddy shaking you, you know, and he's got tears in his eyes mm. handing you the phone. I was just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Right. Um, and, yes, it was a turning point. For me, for me, so so for Liz, you know, her her main turning point was was hearing the commitment she was making for the baptism of her first child. For me, this was probably the the first significant turning point. Um, I was actually surprised driving to Fort Wayne at two three o'clock in the morning. Mm. I was not mad at God. I was actually at peace. Very sad, sure. but I was at peace. Um, I had no ill will to anybody, uh, especially God. And when I, when I came back, um, when I came back to chirp, I was talking to my brothers about it. You know, they were all there for me. They were all praying for me. When I was talking to them, I said, you know what? I said, I figured if I was mad with God, then what the hell am I even doing? Hmm. Why, even have, why even have faith when, I'm, when something like this happens and you're going to be mad? Um, and I knew then, because I was even surprised to hear myself say that, um, I knew then it was time to actually either, you know, should I get off the pot? It's time, it's time to do something. <laughs> uh, time to hit that red button over there. Beep. Sorry. Sensor button. <laughs> Can't say that. Sorry. I, I didn't hear anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, Deacon Mike. <laughs> we didn't mean it. We're sorry. So, uh, I'm going to go to confession tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what You're that real. meant. We get it. <laughs> so I, so I, I started to go through RCIA. Um, beautiful process, <clears throat> challenging, because you know one of the things RCA does, especially if it's a, if it's a good program, they discuss all of the teachings to the greatest extent possible with a paintbrush. You know they they can't get into great detail, the teachings of Catholic Church, and and you know, no matter what political side you've come from, or rich or poor, 
there are teachings in the Catholic faith that are going to challenge you. Sure. Yeah. Right. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't come in as a hardcore Republican or a hardcore Democrat or, or you know, a hardcore uh, social teaching or hardcore fiscal responsibility. You can't come in. You have to be Catholic first, and that took me a long time to to figure out. But that was my turning point when when we lost Mary. Um, it was a turning point to start taking our faith seriously. Not not soon. Or I should say soon after that, we had a few opportunities to do Bible studies, and one of them was with a Protestant family that we you know didn't know. Liz Liz met through a summer summer Bible uh, Bible camp for the girls, and Liz said, "Hey, they invite us to this Bible study. Do you want to go?" And I, and I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Well, you know, they're they're Protestant. They're gonna try and convert us." Yeah. <laughs> and I've always been one that says. You're going to learn the fastest, you know, when you're when you're playing against good competition, right? So, I said, "Well, let's do it." I said, "Because we're either going to have to sink or swim real quick." And um, this family is That's phenomenal. Awesome. They're close friends now. Uh, they realize they're not going to convert us. Um, the benefits were there that there were lots of things that were being taught and brought up that w- that are same t- teachings as the Catholic mm-hmm, Church. Mm-hmm. There were other things that we just inherently knew that doesn't quite sound right to us and we would go back and we would look it up and we'd be like okay that's what the catholic church teaches and, and that makes sense to me and and, and we could go back and, and argue the point if you will um it was when we started to grow and it was also with this family that it was my first sign of what it meant for a man a dad a husband to be the spiritual leader of a home it was the first time i had ever seen it a man that led his family in prayer, you know, was the first one to be um, saying, you know, let's go to church, let's be involved um, in every aspect, and loved the Lord, had a devout prayer life with the Lord, but had his family deeply involved with him. And I thought, man, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome. And they had a number of kids, right? Twelve yes, or ten, ten. Ten kids. Ten kids, yeah. Yep. Um, obviously open to life. Just Phenomenal. Truly phenomenal, and I saw the fruit in their children. Okay, yeah, you would hear awesome. even yes. from strong. I would say strong Christian or Catholic families that I thought were strong at the time. You would still get the comments of "Wait till your girls are teens." You wait till the, your girls are teens. Oh, look out! You can't hide from that. And these teenage girls are beautiful. Yes, they are so sweet. Yes, so I thought you know it can be done. It can be done. You actually have to be a man and do it. Um, discipline yeah and you know it was it was a shock to me because i would have looked at myself and figured you know what i'm a strong catholic guy at this point you know um i'm doing my duty as a husband as a father i'm doing a great job and this just opened up the door and smacked me in the face and i thought wow i have got such a long ways to go Mm. and let me pause you a second so you're experiencing a culture that you've never experienced before. You're experiencing a, a father be comfortable uh, as a spiritual nurturer, a leader, speaking from the heart, attuned to his kids in terms of their relationships and invested in it. Uh, I mean, that whole horizon being opened up of the nature of, of a godly man. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at the same time, I mean, just comment on this a little bit. I, I can only imagine that there is inside of you almost like seeing maybe a new sport that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are they doing and how do they do it and why do they do yes. it? And like a little bit of inner, uh, you know, I don't know, 
conflict. How do they do? Where that? do you begin? It was huge. Yeah, it was. It was exciting. It was very challenging, but I was I was open to the challenge. Um, you know, one of the things my dad taught me, and I've mentioned to you guys in the past, is he'd always would say, or and lead by example. My dad would lead by example by this. It's whatever everybody else was doing, that's not what you should be doing. And it was interesting because I felt comfort in I was like the masses. I was like everybody that I was going to church with. Well, it doesn't make them spiritual leaders of their home. It doesn't mean any one of them has a personal relationship with our Lord. And this man did. And my one big problem was he's Protestant and I'm Catholic. Let me pause you a second on that note. So a little sidebar for our listeners. Uh, Stats came out last few months ago. Only 13% of mass-going Catholics pray before dinner, the, the bare minimum. We know that if a woman leads and the husband is not leading, if the mom goes to church and the dad's out of the picture, there's a 1 in a 50 chance that those children are going to go to Mass. If it's just the mom and not the dad, 1 in 50 chance that those children are going to grow up and go to Mass. If it's just the dad and the mom's not in the picture whatsoever, it's up to 75% chance that the children are going to continue to mass. So this is not a a feminist or a, uh, I don't know, a chauvinist comment. This is sociology. Whether you're, regardless of where you're at, children will trend toward the path set by the dad. And it doesn't matter what the dad says, it's who he becomes. Again and again, it's, is the dad an authentic witness to the faith? And certainly leading it in specific ways is absolutely critical, not simply for himself, but uh, for his family. So anyways, continue. Well, so I was, I was really challenged to start looking at all the things that were different. What did he do different from me? And I, you know, more than anything, truthfully, it's like I want my children to be like his children mm. because they had immense joy and they were really kind. And I, I'd never and seen they anything loved like the it. Lord, yes, they did. Which was a, yes, amazing to see, you know, teenagers talking yep. about Jesus. Yeah. What? Right, <laughs> you right. know, and they, with a big smile on their face. And it face. was their center. It was the right. center of their life, and they wanted it to be. Uh, and it blew me away. It, blew, it really blew me away. So my biggest challenge then was, how do I internalize this? How do I figure out where I'm at, and how do I get to where he's at? Once I made that personal challenge, the next one was, okay, this makes sense. I've learned this, 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 and this from him but I need a Catholic model, Hmm. right? So I went to church, and I really started looking around. Now, in all fairness, again, no no different than high school. I didn't know everybody, and nor can I judge everybody uh, or judge their, you know, what they're doing at home. I didn't sit and talk to 2,000 different dads and, and say, who's the spiritual leader at home, you know? And But in the circles, because we were... We were involved in our mm-hmm. parish uh, to a certain depth. I couldn't find that person, mm-hmm. that person to mimic, that person I could relate to, that person that I could look at their children and say, wow. Where it was so evident. Yes. Yeah. The fruit is amazing. But it's not just the children, it's the wife too, mm-hmm. right? And it's also how men perceive that man. So it doesn't just stop with the children. So uh, as I continue to seek that out, I then realized in some of these Bible studies, I had to start asking the men, if I ask your wife, are you the spiritual leader of the home, what would you say? What would your wife say? And the few guys I asked, I really thought, you know, I'm not going to waste my time, right? I'm thinking, well, that guy's pretty on fire. 
And they're like, yeah, my wife wouldn't call me the spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had three guys in a row who I really thought. And then uh, guy number four, uh, I'll keep his name out of it. I said, hey, um, I actually asked his wife this time. And I said, is your husband the spiritual leader you know, of your home? And she said, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I thought, yes. Praise God. I got one. Yeah, yeah. So I made it a point to spend time with them. Um, we spent probably a number of, probably five, six, seven occasions, got the whole family together, you know, um, ate dinner with them, spent time with them. And what it really was, more than anything, honestly, was a relief that there are Catholic families out there, mm-hmm. right? That the dad is the spiritual leader of the home. It can be done in our faith and done beautifully and they're striving for perfection. It will never be achieved, but I believe we're in the most perfect faith, our Catholic faith. Amen. And I believe that we're striving for perfection with a perfect plan. And these men, this man in particular, was outstanding for me. He doesn't, he doesn't realize the impact he had on me, but he set, he set an example for me. Mm-hmm. And I would say, unfortunately for the vast majority of churchgoers and Catholic men, you can't look around your parish and find that guy. You can't do it. And, and either the guy doesn't exist or the guy is internal. He may have a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's not shared with the family. It's not lived out in the family. So I, I knew at that point in time what it looked like. And then I asked my wife, would you call me the spiritual leader of our home? And she said, no, I would not. And I knew that was going to be the answer, right? Um, But I needed to hear it for the additional challenge. Mm. And so I I started to focus um, on making sure our family was praying together. I started to focus on doing the rosary as a family often, as being the one that was eager and joyfully happy to be attending Mass more than once a week, by the way. I don't know if any of you know this, but you can actually attend Mass Every day of the week. So No, we don't go every day. No, we don't go every day. We don't go every day. Try and go Tuesdays. But the other thing that came up as a challenge for me was I realized I needed to build that personal relationship with Jesus Christ in my own life because my, your children are going to be able to see through you mm. so easily. And if you don't have it, you can't teach it, no matter how involved you get them. And so I was really, I, and even today, I am fighting to build that deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ and my kids. And recently here, I asked my wife, am I a spiritual leader of our home? And music to my ears, she said, yes, you are the spiritual leader of our home. Awesome. It's been great to be kindred with you guys over the last more than a year. Uh, Walt is very involved with our Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. Um, We meet every two weeks on a Thursday with some men that pray together and challenge each other. But ask the questions, Lord, what is your purpose with this movement of mass impact? And what we'll tell you, and I'm blessed to have him as a brother in that, you know, we're not going to talk about anything we're not striving to live. 
You know, we're not going to encourage others if we're not holding ourselves to accountability, and it's that group for me. And they provide that uh, focus and contact. Last year we had uh, really kind of opened up with our... uh, our um, Ignite Catholic Family Festival, the very first one out at Holy Trinity. Very phenomenal success. We're going to do it again this year. Dan Demite and Peter Herbeck and company are going to be, uh, you know, bringing content with that. But um, we have uh, really focused this movement really specifically to becoming to personal family and parish discipleship. That's it. Personal, and there's a hierarchy here. You know, don't be focusing on parish discipleship if you're not striving to be uh, a personal disciple with Jesus. Don't be focusing on your family if you aren't the real deal with God and striving to do that. But it flows. Once you love Jesus and he captures your own, it's a journey, right? Every dependent journey. It overflows into your family and it overflows into your parish. And we kind of raised the, the question, you've heard us say this again and again, you know, how awesome if a pastor came into a parish council or a leader at a parish and said, okay, guys, I, I'm grateful you're here. But uh, when's, you're about ready to give an hour and a half of your time, and I thank you for that. But let me ask you, when's the last time you dedicated an hour to your family to talk and pray? And this is the absolutely essential kindling to set the world on fire. It's got to be more than going to Ignite and Crisio and Chirp and Axe. It has to be more than those moments outside the home. Number one has to be in your home. And, folks, that's what we're inviting you to do is to commit with us to uh Discover God's, uh, his life alive in your relationships with your marriage and your family. Go to liveitchallenge.eventbrite.com. I just want to encourage him and say it again. Liveitchallenge.eventbrite.com. If you want to be united with us and a growing number of folks, this is what we're doing together. We're saying, Lord, come alive in our marriages and our families. Let it overflow into our parishes and overflow into our world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for Walt and Liz and their family, and all those who are united with, who are striving to know you, and love you, and serve you, and all those tonight who are listening. Convict them, Lord, of your presence. Help them to put that flag in the sand, and to trust that you will meet them there, and bless their lives beyond anything they ever could have imagined. As we approach Lent, Lord, just do your thing. Conquer us. May we be your people. We ask this. All this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you.